have you ever done something that was slightly wrong, maybe a little bit dishonest, and you, you knew you were probably going to get in trouble, but just kind of the way the whole situation worked out, the way the outcome was, you ended up getting off clean. You ended up not getting in trouble, even though you did something a little wrong, a little dishonest. So the, uh, towards the, the beginning of my senior year of college, Brooke, uh, she, we were dating at the time, she was getting ready to go out of town for a few days with, with a friend. And before she left, she was just kind of asked, it's going to be a really low-key weekend, don't, don't have a whole lot going on. Um, and she, she went out of town, um, but I was lying. I was lying to her. I, I wasn't really going to be studying. I didn't have any exams coming up. I wasn't, wasn't truthful to her. Uh, so Saturday morning rolls around uh, when I'm supposed to be studying for these tests, and Brooke texts me just to kind of check in. Hey, how's your week going? What's going on? She texts me, and I, I see it pop up on my phone, um, and I just kind of ignore it put my phone back in, in my pocket because I was, I was busy doing something. A few hours pass. She still hasn't heard from me. So she texts me again. This time she's a little bit concerned. Hey, is everything okay? I texted you this morning. haven't heard anything. And I, I see the text and I, I ignore it, put the phone back in my pocket. You know, I've, I'm busy. I've got, got things going on, Brooke. I'm busy. Um, so end of the day is rolling around. And uh, she's not so happy that I've been ignoring her the entire day. And she texts me again, and she let me know that, that she wasn't thrilled. Pretty much, uh, hey, if you don't have anything going on, if you're just sitting around at home studying, can you at least text me back? Like, I'm not trying to bother you. I'm just trying to check in to see how you're doing. It's kind of rude that you won't even text me back. And I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I should probably respond this time. Uh, so I responded, LOL, sorry, babe. made it a little worse, and, you know, she was kind of aggravated for the weekend, and it ended up being a big thing, but she was kind of annoyed. But little did she know that the reason I was ignoring her text, the reason I, I was just kind of, you know, ignoring her, the reason I had lied about what I was doing was because I was busy buying her an engagement ring. I was busy. So when I'm getting these text messages from her, like, annoyed with me while I'm in the process about to swipe this card for thousands of dollars to buy this ring, I'm like, I'm going to take some screenshots of these text messages. And after I proposed to her, I said, hey, here you go. This is what I was doing. I wasn't ignoring you. I wasn't lying. Okay, maybe I was lying a little bit, but there was a good reason for it. Yeah, I was a little dishonest. Yeah, I was a little bit rude, but the outcome kind of made it all okay. I didn't end up getting in nearly as much trouble as I probably should have. Well, tonight we are continuing our series Beneath the Surface, and we're going to look at one of what I think is one of the most interesting parables in all of the Bible, because we're going to see a guy do something that's, that's pretty wrong, that's pretty dishonest, that's pretty shady. But rather than condemning him, rather than coming down hard on him, Jesus actually praises him. For It's a very interesting story. So in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 1, it says this. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. So in this story, we're introduced to two main characters, a rich man and a manager. 
And the rich man has put this manager in charge of his possessions. He's responsible for managing his wealth and, and trying to grow it. But this rich man catches word that the, the manager has just been blowing his money. That rather than growing the account, he's actually losing, losing money. And the rich man, he calls him on it. He says, I need you to show, show me an account for all my money. And then you need to just hand over all of the financial documents to me because I'm, I'm firing you. I'm done with this. You're not doing your, your job. And the manager, he finds himself kind of in a, in a tricky spot. And verse 3, it says this. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. You know, I'm, I'm kind of out of options. But then he says this. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So the manager realizes, like, it's just going to be trashed. Like, when people find out what happened, that he was doing a bad job, I mean, his, his career is going to be over. And he's not sure how he's going to make any money. I mean, he's kind of like me. Manual labor just was not going to be an option for him. He was like, I, I can't go dig holes. And he's like, I'm too proud to, to beg. What am I going to do for, for money? And then he comes up with this, this brilliant idea to set himself up for success. Verse 5 says this. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Well, 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much, how much do you owe? Well, 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. So this manager, he calls in two guys that owe his master money, and he asks them, hey, how much, how much do you owe? And both of these guys, they owe a lot of, of, of money. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to change how much you owe. Have a seat real quickly. I'm going to give you the bill. You're going to erase it, and you're going to write in a new number that is half the amount. And they're probably looking at him like, are you serious? He's like, quickly, just do this. You know, this kind of reminds me of back when we used to get your parents, and you get handed your report card on Friday, and you open it up, and you've got a D in algebra. And you know your parents are not going to be happy about this. And they have no idea what's been happening because grades didn't used to be posted online. So you take a pen and you draw a little line and you turn that D into a B. And you go home and you present the, the, the report card to your parents, all A's and all B's, and they have no idea. That's essentially what he's doing here. Hey, just erase it. Use some whiteout. I want you to change what the bill is. And why is he doing this? Why is he cutting their bills in half? Because he knows that when he's fired, when he no longer has a job, he can now go to one of these two guys for a job. He can use one of these guys as a reference because they owe him. He's just done them this huge favor. They're going to owe him. He's using his master's money to set himself up for success. Now, I think we can all agree that what he's doing here is pretty shady. In fact, it's, it's illegal. You know, if you did something like this nowadays, you would go to prison. You'd probably have a Netflix documentary made about you. Like, what he's doing is not good. And you can assume, like, when his mask livid, he's not just going to fire him. He's going to sue him. 
He's going to take him to court. He's not going to be happy about this. But listen to how the rich man, the master, responds. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Rather than being angry, rather than going off on him, he brings him in his office. I'm sure the guy's nervous. He brings him in and he says, nicely done. Good work. And he's saying this not because he's, he's praising him for being a liar and being dishonest. He's praising him because it says he acted shrewdly. And yeah, that's probably a word you're not familiar with. It pretty much means he was wise. He was resourceful. He saw an opportunity, and he took advantage of it. And the master's saying, hey, you outplayed me. Well done. Nice job. And then listen to what Jesus says next. He says, for the people of this world are more shrewd, they're more wise, they're more clever in dealing with their own kind are than are the people of the light. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. All of us to cheat on our taxes, commit credit card fraud, and, and rip a bunch of people off. Is that, is that the application of the story? Is that what Jesus is encouraging? No, of, of course not. You see, Jesus told parables to communicate important spiritual truths. And he would often over-exaggerate in these stories to try to get people's attention. Jesus, he wanted to make a point. And the point wasn't for us to lie and to steal and to cheat. The point wasn't to encourage us to rip people off. Here's what he's encouraging us to do. He's encouraging us to take full advantage of what we have been entrusted with. To take full advantage of what we have been entrusted with. To maximize and fully utilize the resources in our life. And Jesus, he points out a distinction between two groups of people. He calls them the people of the world and the people of the light. He's talking about non-believers and believers, non-followers of Jesus and followers of Jesus. And he says something very interesting. He says non-believers are typically much wiser than believers. He says non-believers, they see an opportunity and they take advantage of it. Non-believers, they're, they're smart, they're wise about how they manage their, their resources. Not always so smart and so wise when it comes to actually managing their resources. They don't always take advantage of opportunities and situations. And then Jesus says this next. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little, well, they can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, well, who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You see, the whole point Jesus is trying to make here is all about a word called stewardship. And stewardship, it's the responsible management of something that you have been entrusted with. Responsibly managing and taking care of something that doesn't belong to you, but that has been entrusted to you. You see, each and every one of us in this room, we are stewards. 
We have been entrusted with resources by God. We're not the owners. The resources don't belong to us, but we are held responsible for them. We're held accountable for how we choose to manage them. We are stewards. We possess these resources. They don't belong to us. By saying this, verse 13, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's saying we haven't been given these resources in life simply for our own benefit. God hasn't blessed us just so we can hold on to everything for ourselves. He's saying that God has blessed us. God has blessed you in order for you to be a blessing to someone else. And he's saying that the the resources in our life, the resources God has entrusted to us, we shouldn't serve them, we shouldn't worship them, we shouldn't make them the main part of our life. They are simply tools that God has given us to help and benefit other people. So for the next few minutes, what I want us to do is I want us to look at, as, as a middle school student, high school student, as an adult, how we can be a blessing to other people when it comes to three different types of resources that all of us in this room have been given by God. Three different types of resources. The first one is this. This one's fun. is money. Money. How many of you like money? You like some money? Yes. I, I like some money. I think we all like a little bit of money. Well, high school students, you don't got a whole lot of money. And here's, here's some good news to look forward to. When you get to college, it's going to be even worse. You're not going to have any more money when you get to college. You guys don't have a whole lot of money right now. Some of you, you might, you know, do some chores around the house. You can get an allowance or you have a a part-time job and and you get a paycheck every couple weeks. But my guess is most of your money, it's going to, to your cell phone bill, to Taco Bell, to gas, to video games. Like you don't have a whole lot of extra money just lying around to give away. You don't have a whole lot of extra money to to be generous with. But here's the mistake that I think many of us often make. Here's, Here's the mistake we make. We assume that we will be generous one day when we have more money. We assume, you know, one day when I have a real job, One day when I'm making real money, I'm getting actual paychecks. One day when I have more money, then I'll be able to help other people out. Then I'll be able to tithe and I'll I'll be able to, to, to give to church. One day when I have more money, then I'll be generous. But students, here here's the reality. People who aren't generous when they have a little aren't generous when they have more money and they'll be able to give it away, they don't suddenly become generous when one day they make more money. And here's why. Because generosity is not about an amount. Generosity is about a percent. Let me give you an example. Somebody, middle school boys over here, Jackson, somebody who makes just $100 a week, and for some of you, you're actually making $100 a week at your job. Someone who makes just $100 a week but gives away $10 is more generous than someone who makes $1,000 a week and gives away $20. Because God is not concerned with the amount we make. 
He's not concerned with the amount we give away. God is more concerned with the percent. What percent of what he has given us are we using to be a blessing to others? And if we're not able to be generous with a small amount that we have now, there's no way that we're going to be generous, that we're going to be faithful with our money when one day we have more. You see, now is the perfect time for you to begin practicing being generous, for you to begin being faithful with that small amount that God has entrusted to you. And here's what that might look like. That might look like setting aside a percentage of the edge, Kellen. It's setting aside a percentage of that babysitting that money that you earn on the weekends. It's setting aside a percentage of that money on your paycheck from your part-time job. But even now, when the amount is small, when it seems insignificant, you're practicing the habit of generosity. You're being a blessing to others with your money. You're partnering alongside God, giving to his church, giving to this movement of God. Money is a resource that God has entrusted to us. And whether you have a little or you have a lot, you can still be generous. The second resource I want to look at is this, is time. Time. You know, time is a resource that you have a lot of right now. And I know some of you feel like, look, I'm busy. I've got school. I've got work. I've got sports. Listen, I totally understand. But one day when you've got a family and a full-time job, you'll look back on your high school years, your middle school years, and think, wow, I had so much time then. Listen, you're not going to have as much extra time as, uh, and, and for years. The amount of extra time you have right now, you're not going to have again until you're really old, you're retired, and the only thing you can do is eat Jello. Like, you're not going to have this much time again for, for a long time. And this time that God has given you, if this extra time right now, and you really have, you have two options. You can either choose to spend all of your extra time on yourself by binge-watching Netflix and playing video games and scrolling on social media and going on TikTok and just spending it all on yourself, or you can choose to use your time to make a difference in somebody else's life. You can choose to use your time to be a blessing to somebody else. And one of the greatest ways for you to do this is by serving. You know, each Wednesday, we have students and we have adults who give their time, who are sacrificial with this resource God has given them. You know, every single week, M Michelle, Michelle Barr, some of you know her, she gets here at like 3 p.m., maybe even earlier, to set up all the lights, all the tech. We have students who are here on our worship team running words every single week. They're giving of their time. We have adult leaders who are giving up an important night of their week, away from their family, away from all their responsibilities, to invest in you. These people, they are serving. They're taking this resource that God has given them, and they're not just spending it on their, themselves. They're using it to be a blessing to others. So I just wonder for you, how are you using the time be a blessing with this extra time that you have, especially going into summer break? You won't have more time in the year than when you have during the, during the summer. You just have all this extra time. Are you using it to be a blessing? Are you using it to serve others? You know, there's so many ways that you can do this. 
You can do this by, by serving at VBS during the summer. You can do this by getting plugged in with a ministry here at the church and serving that way. There's so many opportunities in our community, organizations that you can partner with. But you have this incredibly valuable resource with all of this extra time. How are you going to use it? And finally, number three, the, the final resource is your talent. Your talent. You see, God has uniquely gifted each and every one of you with talent. And some of you, you might not think you have a whole lot of talent, Hayden. You might not think that God has really gifted you, but you have, for some of you, you're, you're, you're athletes. That's how God has gifted you. Some of you, you're, you're really smart. You excel at school. Some of you, you're, you're funny. Some of you, you're great with people. Some of you are techie. Some of you are, are artsy or musical, but God has given you these unique abilities. And these gifts that God has given you, they have given you a platform, given you a platform on your team, and you have influence in people's lives because of the gifts that God has given you. But you see, God hasn't just given you these gifts. He hasn't just given you this talent for you to make a big deal about yourself, for everyone to be looking at you and talking about you and, and praising you. God has given you this talent God has given you this resource, not so you can make a big deal about yourself, but that you can make a big deal about Jesus. God has given you this platform, not so you can point people to yourself, so you can point people to him. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, chapter, 10, or chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Each of you, each and every one of you should use whatever gift Whatever talent, whatever resource you have received to do what? To serve others as faithful stewards, as faithful managers of God's grace in its various forms. Are you using your talent that doesn't come from you, it comes from God? Are you using your talent to point people to yourself or to point people to Jesus? God has gifted you. God has blessed you with unique abilities, and he has blessed you. So as we wrap up tonight, I just want to share just a, an example from, from my life of, of this idea, of how God blessed me, not so I could just hold on to it, but how God blessed me in order for me to be a blessing to others. So during my, my senior year of high school, I was, you know, of course, thinking about college and, and thinking about the schools I wanted to go to and started applying. And honestly, I was really unsure about how I was going to pay for college, how I was going to afford it, how I was going to make all of that work. I didn't want to take out student loans and was just really stressed about it. Uh, but God was, was very good to me, uh, and I received several scholarship offers from, from USF, um, athletic scholarships, obviously, all academic. That's all I was good for. All academic. But I received several scholarship offers from, from USF. And the catch was, if I chose to, to live at home, I would be able to pocket that scholarship money. And it would be able to cover all of my expenses, like my cell phone and gas and insurance. And I wouldn't have to worry about working. Like God was, was super good to me. And when I saw that opportunity, I, I took it. I was like, yeah, I'll live at home and I'll take that, that extra scholarship money. And that can just cover all of my expenses. And immediately I started thinking through, okay, well maybe I can still get a job 
Like I can get a job and if I get a job, then I won't have to use it for, for my normal expenses. Everything I make from a job, I can just keep for myself. And I was like, well, if I don't get a job, then man, I'm just gonna have a ton of free time. Like I'll just have four or five classes and I can use all of the rest of the time just for myself, for hanging out with my friends, sleeping in, going to the gym. Like these seemed like two really good options, more money, more time, but both options were entirely focused on myself. So shortly after college started, uh, the, the college pastor at the time, he approached me about um, interning here at the church in the college ministry. And I was super honored that he asked me. I was really excited about it. And you know, I'm getting ready to, to accept it. I'm like, sure, that would be great. But before I accepted it, I wanna know, well, how much am I gonna get paid? Like, how much am I going to be able to pocket for myself and, and, and start to save? And he said, Matthew, you know, we really want you to do this internship, and, and here's what we can pay you. Nothing. Nothing. He said, you know, I can probably bring you in Starbucks once a week to the office, but uh, we don't have any money to pay you. And I remember hearing that, and my first thought was, well, heck no. I'm not going to work for free. Like, that's ridiculous. If I'm going to intern, if I'm going to be working, if I'm going to home and kind of told my mom about it, I was like, yeah, I got this offer. Like, it sounds really cool, but like, I don't think I'm going to take it just because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't pay anything. And as I'm talking with my mom, I, I remember it. She said, Matthew, God has, has blessed you so much. God has blessed you by taking care of the, the cost of your, your tuition God has blessed you by, by taking care of pretty much all of your expenses where you don't have to worry about that. And God has blessed you so that you can now be a blessing to others. God has blessed you so that you can take an opportunity like this. So you can serve, you can intern, you can volunteer, and you don't have to worry about getting paid. And as I started to think about that, I realized she was right. Like God did not bless me with those scholarships just so I could go get a job and make more money for myself. God didn't bless me with those scholarships just so I wouldn't have to work and would have all this free time to, to waste on myself. God blessed me in order for me to be a blessing for others. So during my college years, that's, that's what I did. I served as the intern for free, other than a few drinks from Starbucks. I was up here this to say, hey, look at me. Wasn't I so awesome? Aren't I so spiritual? Because the truth is, if my mom hadn't had that conversation with me, I would have turned it down because I was only thinking about myself. I tell you that, that story tonight so that I can share what I learned through the process. And here's what I learned. I thought I was gonna be a blessing to the church. I thought I was going to be a blessing to the college ministry. I thought I was going to be a blessing because I was serving. But by serving, it ended up being an even greater blessing in my life. I was blessed by being a blessing to others. And students, if you truly are seeking for, for true joy in life, true peace, true contentment, true fulfillment, 
It is not going to come through you spending all of the resources God has given you on yourself. It's not going to come through using your money and your time and your talent to make yourself great and to make a, a big deal out of yourself. True fulfillment in life comes from using the resources God has given us to be a blessing to others. That's what stewardship is. That's what it means to us to manage. We have been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. And when you and I, when we are a blessing to others, we're even more blessed in return. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, God, we thank you that you are such a generous God. A God who, who lavishes blessings and gifts and resources in our life. And, and those resources look different for all of us. For some, it's financial. For some, it's time. For some, it's gifting and, and talent. But God, you haven't given those, uh, those, those resources, those, those blessings, just for us to hold on to them for ourselves. God, you've given them so that we can be a blessing to others. And Lord, I lift up the, the students in here, the leaders in here, Lord, especially as we head into to summer. God, that we would think about ways that we can be a blessing to others with our, with our finances, God, with our time, with the talent you've given us. Lord, that we would not hold those things tightly, Lord, but we would be open-handed. And God, I'm so excited to see as we step into that, as we serve, as we're a blessing to others, God, how we find true joy, true content, being able to serve and to point others to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.